Hi, everybody. Thank you for choosing to spend your precious moments with me. I'm Melinda Perkins, and this is Your Longevity Lifestyle, the podcast where we have real conversations about real ways you can live longer, healthier, and more in flow. Today, we're going to discuss the hot topic of stress, but not in the usual way. We're not going to stress about it. We'll relate it to my favorite subject, movement. Like I've said before, longevity is so close that all we have to do is stretch out our fingers and close them around it. And when we learn the correlation between movement and stress, we're well on our way. By the end of our time together today, I hope you'll awaken to a whole new understanding of movement, stress, and longevity. With real tips you can use to maneuver your way through the three realms with grace and style and utilize their interplay to take your human performance to the next level. Stress. It's everywhere, right? I don't mean in our lives and in our work and our relationships. Yeah, it's there too. But I mean the word itself. It screams at us from billboards and social media posts, videos, movies, you name it, it's there. Stress is splattered so far and wide that to me, it's kind of lost its value, its potency. It's muddied its relevance and it's distorted its definition. Yet its essence is still pure and significant. When paired with the concept as expansive as movement and focused as a tool, its power for a brief moment is restored. Okay, so let's have some context here. I'm going to tell you a little bit of a story. The personalization platform that I use in my life and my business, PH360, um, releases a monthly theme on Facebook and across their social media platforms. They focus on, discuss, teach, and share around this particular subject. At the top of every month, a community coaching call kicks it off. July's theme was stress, and that first Saturday, we coached. As I prepped for the call, I came across this podcast, As Life Happens, you know, synchronicity, Um, and it's Andrew Huberman, and he talked with Ido Portal, and it's called The Science and Practice of Movement. It was released on June 20th of 2022, and Ido Portal, if you're not If you're not familiar with him, he has developed and teaches his own method of movement. And they, he's a really amazing guy. You should go check him out. Um, In this podcast, this podcast is amazing too. You should go check that out as well. Um, They discussed everything to do with movement. And although I listened to the entire podcast several times, something that Ido Portal said in the very beginning just set my mind alight. And here's the quote. He said, part of our sense of everything is a sense of movement. On a personal level, you guys know that through PH360, I'm an activator, right? And movement is key to my health type, just as the name sounds. And as it's described by PH360, um, activators need movement for everything from getting going in the morning to enjoying a good sleep at night. But when I listen to Ido Portal, his perspective changes everything about this this subject that is so personal to me. Life is in motion. 
not just our bodies and our minds, but our entire world. And he goes on to call movement, and I'm going to quote him here, the magic that ties everything together. And I just want you to think about that concept for a moment, that movement is the magic that ties everything together and that everything is in motion. So I just had to breathe into that concept for a moment. And I invite you to do the same. It was such a paradigm shift for me, you know, like where your entire perspective of the world changes. It's like a lens just kind of settled into place over my eyes. And I went, yeah, this, this so totally makes sense. And so here's a concept I invite you to think about. We talk lots about change being the norm, right? But not what creates change. And what creates change is movement. Can, can you see that? It's like everything stems from movement. So it was that vision that set my fingers alight scrolling through my Shea app, which is the app that contains all of my PH360 information. Um, you can look up more on this on my, on my website, but um, PH360 fits all of your information into an algorithm and then it like pinpoints, it, it creates an avatar sort of, a, it pinpoints you in space, like a 3D model of yourself. And so then all of the information on how to keep yourself healthy goes into this app and the app is called Shay. And so that's where all my personal information is. So like with this new concept of movement, think seeing that movement is so pertinent to my health type, I, it, I had to take that lens and take a look at myself again. Because Ido Portal had just blown the doors off of my little box that contained movement, you know, what I saw as movement before. And what I saw then was like that I saw everything in a new way. And it sent my mind bursting with questions. Movement is what drives my health type toward wellness. And, and yeah, we think of movement and, and how I had previously thought of movement is, is as a stressor. Usually that's how I use it in my life. I exercise, I, um, but it's also a stress relief. Um, and it's just, it's so many different things. So to go back to how I used to see movement, right? Um, it's centered around pure physical positioning of the body. And I've said it before, that every human body is built to move. It's very obvious just when you look at the, at the human form, when you actually strip those outside layers of, of skin and fat off, you know, it's just muscle. That, that next layer is pure muscle. So obviously not a solitary body is good at stasis. And being static or sedentary creates stress in a body that's built for movement, right? Um, and it's, it's with the application uh, and removal of this stressor that you can influence the chemistry of your body and mind toward option, optimal functioning. But if we take that a bit further, think about how cool this is. We have bodies that are built to move in perfect synergy with a world in motion. 
So that sets the foundation for what we're going to build into today. And we're going to start to play in that realm where movement and stress combine together so that we can understand them better and then apply them to our own longevity lifestyle. So we're going to take it one category at a time, and I'm going to set it against the backdrop of the six different health types as defined by PH360, because this is the realm that I know, and this is the realm that I love. Um, and just for a little bit of, of foundation on that, um, the six different health types are the basic overview. They're the, the very top level structure where everything else kind of fits in below. And um, they're purely embryological, phenotypical um, health types. So here we go. And we're going to look at movement across the different divisions of life. And those realms are going to be physical, mental, emotional, focus, social, environmental, rules, and work or contributions to the world. So those are the those are the big categories. And then just so you know, I will list off the different health types. So then you can recognize when I'm talking about each one. Um, you have the activator, connector, guardian, diplomat, sensor, and crusader. So those are the different phenotypical health types according to pH360. So let's get started. First of all, we're going to look at physical. And of course, movement is very personal. Each body is good at a different range of things depending on how it's put together and what genes are expressing in the moment. Mine, the activator health type, is good at agility and coordination with a bit of speed thrown in there. To me, I get the picture of a rugby player running down the field, ball in hand. They dodge in and out of the other players. One eye searches for the gap while the other keeps tabs on their teammates. Now, I realize that rugby, there's on the rugby field, there's room for every single health type, but that's just the vision I get in my mind. So for the other bodies, let's take like the guardian health type. They are built for power. I think of Olympic power lifters. And others, like our Crusader health type, are good at endurance. They make really great marathon runners and cyclists. And now we're going to look at stress. So let's look at movement as stress, right? Um, and not the good, the good kind of stress. Um, and we're going to start with the, the, the most fragile body on the health type circle, and that's the sensor. If you think of tiny little joints and long lith muscles. You think of like a ballet dancer. Um, when you think of that body type and then put it in a situation where it's hefting dead weight overhead, you're setting yourself up for disaster. You're setting that body up for disaster or at the very least distress especially on that super delicate spine and all those very, very delicate joints. But let's take a two-hour-long yoga class. That is a stressor that would render it stronger. But put my activator health type in that same yoga class, and 
I'd be darting out the door in 25 minutes because like I'm done. I can't move that slowly and that and 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 that deliberately for that long and have that focus and concentration without adding mental and emotional stress on. So that would be a a stressor in not the right way for my body. So that's going to be the format here, right? We've talked a little bit about the health types. We have described how um, you can use movement as a stressor to make your body stronger, or you can use it as a stress or distress, and that will weaken the body. Um, so now we're going to move on to mental. For me, and others in my health type, the mind thrives when it's gathering new things like ideas, information, experiences, and sensory input. But long periods of focus on a singular task, just kind of like that yoga class, creates stress. But for other health types like diplomats, their mind minds collect the details and connect the dots. So diving deep into a subject or task is actually necessary skimming the surface is what creates stress. So like I skim the surface and I'll be gathering lots of different data on lots of different subjects and may or may not end up putting them all together. But if a diplomat does that or is asked to do that, then that's going to be a stress for them because they want to connect the dots. They want to have all of the details in every single subject and then start putting the bigger picture together. So those are two, those are two health types that are opposite each other on the pH 360 wheel. So their minds are going to work in a very different way. And, and so what is stress for one is going to be distress for the other. So one that's good, one that's bad. Um, when we talk of other people's minds, those of like the guardians, they analyze language. So if you're non-specific or grammatically incorrect, it's stressful to them because they're picking out the details of it when what they want to do is they want to hear the essence of what you're saying. So do you see where I'm going here? These are all practical, real world examples of how one person's food is another person's poison. And we haven't even gotten to food. So let's look at emotion. That's also movement too, right? We can feel it in our bodies as the chemicals rush around and, and get processed. Um, the key here as it relates to stress, the thing I'm going to talk about today is pace. So take my health type and activator. We move quickly, just like the, the, the word sounds, right? Think back to the rugby player on the field again. We can juggle several different emotions. Keep an eye on others' emotions, power through everything, and let it all go in a short period of time. That can look like flares of anger, quick tears, jubilant laughter, or squeals of excitement. But stress happens in our body when we keep these emotions in, when we bottle them up, when we push them down, when we subdue them, when we don't allow them to run down the field and out the other end. Um, however, so like rumination in, in our health type is super terrible. Um, but on the flip side, 
long processing of individual emotions, which lead to eventual expression, is healthy for some people like diplomats. Diplomats like to take in all the information. They like to connect the dots. They like to process things. And then they're going to express whatever they have come up with. Same thing. It's They, they work the same way. They, um, they mentally process the same way. And they're going to process their emotions the same way. So they're going to hold on to emotions so that it will, so that they can connect those dots. They can feel them deeply. They can connect the dots. They can make their decisions. And then they, from those, they can have a sure path of where they're going. They can feel secure in their future. Another health type, the crusaders, they don't really engage in their emotions very deeply at all. Sensors are kind of the same way. And for them, that's perfectly normal. So the movement here varies in speed, like mine, and the diplomats, and in depth with like, the diplomats are going to go deep, the crusaders are going to stay kind of very surface level. Um, and stress here or distress here happens when we're out of sync with our natural rhythm. So if I try to process things super deeply, that's going to be stress on my system. If crusaders try to process things super deeply, that's going to be stress on their system. But if a diplomat tries to, to just let something go, if you tell a diplomat, oh, just let it go, that's going to be stress on their system if they actually listen to you and try to do it. So when we are in sync with our natural rhythm, we are in flow, and that makes us stronger. All right, so we have physical, mental, and emotional, right? And those are those are realms that we're very we're very used to. The next thing we're going to talk about is focus. And I know it's not usually something that we think about um, as as a dynamic of of part of our personality, but it's super important. Um, I like to think of a camera with all of its focal points, right? Depending on where you point it, it zeroes in on things that are either close or far away, ahead or behind, up or down. Wherever you point it, it's going to take in the detail of that. So regardless of where you point it, there's constant motion that's available. So for the activator, the focus is close causing it to shift often. There's now and now and now. Think of if you're if you were pointing a camera on a on a crowd of people that were walking that were walking by like a busy street and it's focusing on one person and then the next and then the next. And that's how an activator's mind works best, right? So other people um like to focus far out in the future or far into the past. So those are our three frames of reference here. Now, for the activator, if I'm wanting to focus on now and now and now, if somebody asks me to have like a five-year or a 10-year plan, that is going to create stress. Or if they want me to dive way deep into something that happened in my past, that is going to create stress. I might be willing to look at it, now and then pull it in and now. Um, but if I need to dissect it, like going to counseling, if I need to dissect it for a long period of time, that's going to be stressful for me. 
But if you take the health type, the sensor, who we talked about earlier, the long lith bodies, um, they thrive on a 10-year or a 20-year or even a lifetime plan. They will use like a telephoto lens to collect all of those details and bring them out into now and then figure out the steps to get there because that makes them feel safe. When their future, their 10-year, their five-year plan is not clear, they feel super stressed out. And so if you ask them to focus on now before they have that frame of reference of what's going to happen then, it's going to cause stress for them. So just as kind of a funny story here, I was in a group of people the other day and we were all talking and one of the girls was telling a story about a conversation that she had um, with her daughter and they were on the way to school and this was like Monday and the daughter was was kept asking, what are we doing on the weekend? What are we doing on the weekend? What are we doing on the weekend? And she was just like, oh my gosh, it's only Monday. You focus on now and when the weekend gets here, then we'll figure out what's going on then. And so because it was very obvious to me that they were, that they had very different focal points, right? Um, I came home and I was talking to my son, who's a sensor. I'm an activator, so I'm in the now. He's a sensor, so he's in the future. And so I was telling him the story and he's like, mom, <laughs> her daughter needs to know what's happening that weekend so that she can focus on now. And and once you once you get that frame of reference and realize that your focal points are going to be different and not knowing something about the future is going to be stressful for a sensor, whereas n having to think about something that's happening in the future is going to be stressful for an activator. So um, it's it's really quite interesting when you think about movement and and time and um, and how how we focus on things and just the little nuances that come up. So I thought that was really cool. I was going to share that with you. Um, but let's let's look at a different health type. Let's look at the diplomats. Um, they use the wide angle lens to figure out the past. They're, they're very different. So they're past focused and they use their wide angle lens to figure out the past, the now and the future. And you don't remember with just diplomats, you don't want to rush them. They're going to figure out what happened in the past, relate it to now so that then they can figure out a plan for the future. And that relieves their stress. So looking all at all of that takes a lot of time. Um, and there, there we go with movement, fast or slow. Um, it, and then along that continuum, so past, present, future, there's a lot of movement that comes with where we focus. So once again, we can enhance our natural rhythms with intention and that makes us stronger humans. And it also makes our relationship stronger when we realize these, these little differences between us can, um, can, be, can be respected. And then we can interact with each other and actually begin to use another person's point of reference to help us make our decisions and to to make um to make our now good and to see see reason in the past and stuff like that so it's just really really cool stuff and that leads us into our next subject which is social 
So we talk about circles and our movement within them and how they move around us, right? When we're talking social, there's an element of time and depth here. Some circles spin quickly. Think of hiking or biking clubs that change places and direction and even members super often. Then there's other groups that spin pretty slowly, like say the arts, painting or pottery, where they hone in on a detailed craft over time. There are some very surface social things like social media and others that have depth like family. Each of these areas, these aspects, these circles call to a different aspect of our personality. And operation outside of our norms can create stress. I mean, a lot of us have social anxiety, right? And a lot of times that's because we are pushing ourselves into other realms, in other speeds, other circles that don't resonate with our natural rhythms. So they create stress. So if we operate, let's say that we operate in a wide circle, but our need is to dive deeply and have deep, meaningful relationships and conversations, then we can take on too much. This is the guardian dilemma, the guardian health type. They love people, right? But they also need deep relationships. And how many deep relationships can you have before you hit burnout? If you constantly have a house full of people and feel like, you know, you go to so large social gatherings, but your body craves, your natural rhythms crave these deep conversations that you're just not going to get in like a loud bar, um, then your body's going to be under a lot of stress all the time. On the flip side, take the connector who we actually haven't talked about very much yet. Um, the connector needs variety and change. So they need to experience the thrill of meeting different people and diving in deeply only with a few of them. They need a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of different things going on around them all the time. They very adeptly bounce within a large circle and they get their needs met really well. So it's very interesting when you start to think of, let's, let's take the sensor who may only have one or two friends and they don't want to be with them both at the same time. That would be overwhelming um, because of their, of their very sensory, their, their needs for a super streamlined sensory environment. So social is a very interesting place where we see a lot of movement um, and a lot of variation in the kind of movement because there's different sizes of groups and different speeds of groups. So that's a really cool example. So there's an environment of social, right? Purely with people. But if we expand the picture wider, we take in environment as a whole. And when you look about, look at that and you think about um, environment around us, we are essentially immersed in a river of motion. And that movement creates sound and visual stimuli and weather and growth and smell and taste and everything tactile. It's like a sensory experience everywhere we go. And some people thrive in a cacophony of movement in our environment. 
and others, like sensors who process every little detail, they thrive in the absence of it. So a super stark environment for them is where they can actually let down their guard and stop the mental processing for a while. So most of us, most bodies tolerate a few forms of environmental stimuli and not others. And, and let's just look very simply at heat and cold. Guardians do best in cooler environments. The air conditioner really is their friend. My, my son, the guardian, runs his air conditioner, his little portable air conditioner, in his room pretty much year-round because he needs the temperature to be like that. For me, I hate the air conditioner. Unless I'm dying of heat stroke, I don't want anything to do with an air conditioner. And even then, it's kind of iffy. That's because our bodies are, are different, different, have different forms of processing and they need different things. And that's just heat and cold. There are so many other dynamics in the environment that our bodies are picking up on. You know, we have the five senses, right? And, and there's, there's constant flow and flood of information. And all the body wants to do is maintain homeostasis. So if our environment helps it maintain homeostasis, then that is reducing the stress on our body in that moment so that then we can we can work better, we can play better, we can add in some of these other deliberate stressors and make our body stronger. Whereas if we're, if, if we're constantly, like say I'm sitting at work under an air conditioner, that is taking away from my mental processing. It is, it's taking energy to keep me warm. It is, um, it's, it's doing all sorts of terrible things to my body so that other things are having to work harder or get left behind. Um, and that's, that's just one example of the environment. So really our environment is one of the biggest hidden stressors in our lives. And that leads me to yet another one of the big hidden stressors, and that is rules. Now, I think of rules as giving the structure to the movement of the world. So it's like the scaffolding, the framework where everything else fits. And some bodies, some people need lots of very solid structure to feel safe. That would be your sensor. They're the ones that are going to want to know very far in the future, but they're also going to want to know right now what the rules are and they're going to stick to them and they're going to expect everybody else to stick to them because that's how they feel safe. That's where they can drop their guard and drop their stress. Others like me need a more fluid flow or they risk feeling stifled. And that's a super big stress. If you're ever in an environment where you feel like there are so many rules that if you one little step out of bounds and you're going to get called on the carpet, that's a super big stress. Others, like the crusader health type, 
need to have a hand in building the structure for everyone. They have to know that that it's their idea. They put the rules in place and then everybody else can um, can adhere to them and that makes them feel safe. So um, there are types that need to create rules just for themselves. There are types that will break rules if they don't make sense to them. Um, so given the structure of, of the way that things are, we operate so differently. And it's not something that we really turn our attention to when we think about stress. Am I in an environment where I feel stifled by the rules or where I feel expansive because there are rules? Um, or, you know, any any version in between of in between that. Um, most of us, the cool part about that is that every every environment that you go into, we talk back to back to environments, but like social environments of work and play and things like that, most of us can find the type of framework that really resonates with us. But if we don't know to look for that, then we can be unconsciously adding stress to our to our lives where it, there doesn't really need to be. And that leads us to our very last subject, and that's the topic of work and contribution. Now, everything that we've mentioned before plays a part in how we best share our gifts with the world. Because when we drop our stress and we are expanding into our environment and and physical and mental and emotional movement that works best for us, then we're working within our natural rhythms and we're meeting our natural necessities. And so we flow through our days and we achieve these like mega results. Now, when I talk about work, I'm not necessarily just talking about like nine to five where you trudge off to every day and you do your little bit and then you come back home and like actually live your life. I'm talking about anything that you do that makes a contribution to society in in the way that you want to. So like your real work and what you do on this planet. And yeah, what you make money at too, that, that makes a big difference. But when you start to align... Um, what you what you make money with with what you like actually want to contribute wow then you like really start to flow but we're going to go back to just just the work and contribution and the movement within that um so if we if we are in the right environment right for our work and all of these other factors have come into play then then when then we can push ourselves like add stress within the bounds of those rhythms and we actually increase if you if you think about rhythms as being as being like peaks and flows ebbs and flows valleys peaks and valleys um we increase the amplitude the height of those peaks when we add stress and then we get stronger and then we relax and then we then we start to 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 add the stress again so we can push ourselves within the bounds of of our work that we do if we're in if we set every other element up around us and then we can actually add those stressors in to make ourselves stronger and to make the way that we contribute a lot more efficient but if one or more of these elements that we talked about before is out of whack then that layers on a little bit of stress and that takes away from the energy that we can put into what we contribute. It takes away from the stress that we can add in 
And it also decreases the amplitude because you're working against your natural rhythms, right? And when we when we do that, then we decrease the peaks and valleys. And so um, so it's it's just that's what stress does when we're working in kinds of environments and with, you know, physical conditions and mental conditions and social and emotional conditions that are not ideal for us. That kind of stress really drags us down. It makes us less productive and it actually interferes with our health as well. So that's those elements. Let me just briefly recap the elements. We have our physical element. And so where movement is very is very physical, and that's kind of the, the type of movement that we typically think about is our is our physical movement. And then we have mental and emotional, focus, social, environmental rules, which is the scaffolding or structure, and then the work and our contribution. And that's kind of what it all culminates with is that if we can take a lot of the hidden stressors out from above, from all of those other subjects, then the work that we do, the things, our contribution to society can be so much more powerful. In the very beginning, we talked about human performance and how you can use stress and movement and their interplay to carve out your path and your longevity lifestyle that really helps to augment your human performance. And that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing here. I mean, movement is everywhere. It's every time. It's in everything. And and yes, it's a stress or is it not? It's all in, are you using the movement that is natural and inherent in the world to deliberately create stress to make you stronger? Or are you letting it unconsciously add stress that tears you down? Those elements, if when you, when you get those right and you pinpoint them to precision in your life, you can take your longevity lifestyle to that next level and really amp up your human performance. So it all comes down to how we move with and within our moving world. It's how we flow with our natural rhythms and amp them up to get stronger and dial them down to relax It's a game. It's a dance. It's an experience moment to moment every day that we're on this planet. So I really hope that this information helps you add precision to your longevity lifestyle. And thank you so much. I'm so deeply appreciative if you've listened all the way through and if you've shown up time and time again, and even if you haven't, if this is your very first time and this is the only bit you're listening to, I appreciate you. And if you're looking to dive deeper into your own longevity lifestyle, here are a couple of completely free ways to meet up with me. If you enjoy videos or PDFs that you can use to do the deeper work in the privacy of your home, You can check out my free resources available on my webpage at www.personalequivalentcoaching.com. That's my business name, Personal Equivalent Coaching. Or if you like tidbits of information on how you can begin to personalize your life 
or just begin to craft your longevity lifestyle in a more precise way, simply follow me on Instagram at personal underscore equivalent underscore coaching, or to find out more about what's going on in my world, visit my personal account at Melinda Perkins 505. Take care and have an absolutely beautiful day moving through this gorgeous world.